నమస్కారము ప్రివేర్ ఓలా హలో వణకం నమస్తే జీనోబ్రే and as you have guessed this is another language episode it's a bit different to the one that we did last because we looked into different aspects of languages for example last time we looked into the origins of our languages uh, and those were hindi tamil telugu and french and then we looked into the differences and similarities of our languages so that is in terms of the lexicon and phonology and then we looked into the cultural differences and stereotypes but in this episode we are going to we have a wider range of languages so lola would you like to introduce yourself what your a levels are and the languages you're going to be representing mm-hmm. so hi i'm lola i'm currently doing a level spanish and i did my a level russian last year with an a star and sam hi i'm sam i'm, I'm tomo but today i'm talking about german which i'm doing an a level in and uh, i did gcse japanese as well Hi, um, I speak Hindi and Tamil and I did GCSE Hindi. Hi, I'm Emily and I did Polish for GCSE and my mum's also Polish. So. And I speak Telugu, which is my mother tongue, and I have studied it in secondary school in India as my second language. So this week, we're going to start off with a more philosophical question. How is knowing another language other than English, how does it help you feel closer to your identity and perhaps to other people? So I speak Polish and I guess... obviously like when i go to poland um it helps cuz i can communicate with my family and not being able to communicate with your family is probably quite hard so that's how polish is um useful and it kind of brings together a sense of community when you see other polish people not just polish people as well but like uh czech people so my best friend is from czech and we can kind of understand each other when we speak and i feel like that that and like often quite shared like cultural experiences help us to um understand each other better so yeah yeah i definitely agree i think um the cultural aspects of it is really important um personally for me um my mother tongue is tamil and so speaking to my grandparents in tamil has always um been really nice because if i try to speak in them in english i think we would never be able to have a conversation um but also speaking to my friends in um hindi is quite useful um in mumbai as well and that's why i know hindi because i've grown up so i think having those two languages um really kind of helps me communicate and in that in that kind of in a much closer way rather than being a bit more formal in english being able to speak tamil with it being my mother tongue has definitely been useful in terms of being able to stay connected to my culture in terms of speaking to my grandparents and family back home but also in terms of connecting with culture in england because where i grew up in croydon it was close to quite a large tamil community so being able to connect to culture while being in a in a different country was definitely um important and useful to me but learning other languages having german and japanese as third and sec- second and third languages it's it's nice to be able to learn more and connect to a different culture perhaps learn a bit more about other people my family are from uzbekistan and they speak uzbek however because they were uh, one of the republics under the ussr russian has been this bridge between me and them so whilst i don't know uzbek and they don't know english we've been able to communicate through one language together which has been quite nice uh, as well as this i've had several friends from latvia and ukraine and they also speak uh, russian as well which is quite nice and fun learning spanish at a level has opened my eyes to the cultures of the hispanic world and spain itself which has been quite nice also a very eye-opening experience i think one thing i've noticed between all of us is probably just communication between people who only know like one language or something and so you're kind of like a bridge between them and which is quite like 
nice to think about. Same for me as you, Shreya, and Sam, and all of you, basically. Um, talking to my grandparents in that language, it makes me closer to them, because most of my cousins, they don't know the language, they just speak English, and they tried so hard to speak Telugu, but it's still not the same, and there's lots of, like, communication gap between them. So because I was in India, and I was the one who studied um, Telugu, like, read the literature and everything, I was able to communicate to them, like, more informally. And so, not to say it, not to brag, but I am the favourite grandchild uh, because of this one reason. And it is hard for my brother to speak Telugu because he grew up learning um, the English phonetic and just like the rhymes and everything that he watched on YouTube was just one language. And so it was hard for him to convert or speak in Telugu that like flexibly. Um, so moving on, how are your experiences at home speaking a different language other than English? Um, so I talked to my mom. Well, in my childhood, I probably talked to my mom more in Polish, but um, my dad's uh, from South Africa. So whilst he understands a lot more Polish than I think we give him credit for, we talk mostly in English in our house just for that ease of communication. But um, me and my mom kind of switch up. So we will start talking in English and then start talking in Pol Polish. Um, but yeah, that's how it's used in my home. Yeah, um, I think for me, again, because uh, I speak kind of like two languages simultaneously, I think our house is a bit of a mix of Hindi, Tamil, English all the time. So my mum is a lot more comfortable in Hindi. She studied it for like a long time. So me and my mum kind of tend to speak in Hindi, a bit of a mix of that. Um, whilst my dad has always been really strict on me learning how to speak Tamil. And whilst when I was younger, I was, you know, quite annoyed about it. I appreciate that he did that um, because... Like Pranava mentioned, um, it means that I can speak to my grandparents kind of a lot more um, easily, whereas a lot of my cousins who live abroad can't necessarily do that. Um, so I think at home, I, I've noticed that um, I think coming to England especially, um, I speak a lot less than I used to before, but I think I try and make a conscious effort um, of when I get home to kind of switch off speaking English and start speaking Hindi or Tamil. Um, so I think definitely it's, it's a bit of kind of a, a work in progress, but I think that um, like speaking different languages and being able to communicate the same thing in different languages has been really useful. Um, what about you, Sam? Um, honestly, in my house, we mostly speak English. I know when I was younger, growing up, I spoke Tamil a lot more, and then moving into school, and after that, English was the main language spoken, especially when my sister started school as well, because she never kind of had that basis of Tamil because as when she was born I was already in school speaking English so for her Tamil isn't it it's not something that she'll gravitate towards to speak so generally speaking we're we're an English-speaking household but my parents speak in Tamil like to each other to us as well and you know occasionally we will use Tamil like honestly it's sometimes it's just to make a joke land better <laughs> We'll switch to Tamil. Absolutely, yeah. yeah, I completely agree. <laughs> Sometimes I think jokes are spoken best in that language. You can't really translate it that well, so yeah. Um, well, given how we all uh, live in England and most of us here have grown up here, I guess it's been kind of dif difficult for me to incorporate both Russian and English together at home. My parents uh, encouraged me and my brother to answer in Russian, but most of the time <laughs> we tend to give answers in English given how most of our social life revolves around that language. Um, but my dad does know Spanish as well, so he does, you know, try to make me and my brother, who's also learning Spanish, uh, to answer in that as well, which is, yeah. I think that's, um, I, I kind of spent the first seven years of my life in India, so I think um, I was actually talking to one of my cousins the other day, 
and she was saying how she finds it really difficult because she was born in Dubai and so she's always kind of grown up speaking English whereas I think for me because those first seven years were kind of a bit of a foundation living in India um, it meant that I was a bit more kind of used to speaking with friends in Hindi or like speaking to family and so I think it's quite a different experience if you're born in England um, or born in another country per se rather than if you've like kind of moved there I don't know if any of you want to share that uh, you said that you lived in Hong Kong for five years. Would you say that changed how you spoke in your languages as well there? Yeah, I, I, I think definitely. Um, so when I was in Hong Kong, I actually learned uh, Mandarin. And I, I used I was under the false assumption that I was very good. Um, I couldn't even realise that was not true. Um, but uh, I think, again, it opened my eyes up to it. Because until that point, I'd only learned, um, obviously, I'd only learned like, Hindi and Tamil. So... When I got there, I was exposed to learning Spanish and Mandarin, and I just realised that, um, you know, I thought that writing Tamil was pretty complicated, but I think Mandarin was a whole other ball game, and I think it definitely kind of opened my eyes to seeing how differently languages are spoken and kind of, um, you know, the different tones and like I never come across all of that before, so it, it definitely changed my perspective on the importance of learning language as well because I think a lot of my kind of English counterparts have really really struggled with learning Mandarin because they just never been exposed to anything which didn't have like English text as characters um and whereas I'd kind of come across that before I still find it difficult so I definitely found that they I think struggled a lot more and dropped it at the first chance they could um before GCSE so yeah, I don't know if any of you um, have come across that. I think going on from that, like, I was talking to my friend the other day and we were saying how, like, language is taught really badly in England because you're kind of forced to learn a vocabulary list and it's all very, like, to pass the exam well. I don't know, if, I don't do, like, A-level, but... The topics are very, like, focused yeah. and it's not necessarily the kind of vocab you'd use in everyday life. As well, like, you don't learn, like, with French, right? You don't, in school, you don't learn... French slang like we we will use really informal language in England but I'm pretty sure like someone learning English they wouldn't be learning the informal they'll be learning the proper English which kind of I feel like detaches you from that um from the like that community that speaks that language um and I just feel as though because we're not exposed that much to um the native speakers of that language um we kind of we never actually truly become like fluent speakers yeah and that's so true I think in a way like you said like you kind of learn I guess the really formal method where whether someone learning English or we're learning another language you definitely stick out I think because I've had that where when I was learning Spanish and I really I tried my best to kind of speak it in Spain but I think immediately you kind of stick out because the way you speak and the way they speak one it's a lot faster because no matter how much you try you can't speak as quick as them um, but also the, the kind of the words you use is not like that, that colloquial language that they use. And so they immediately know that like, okay, you're, you're not a native speaker. It's fine. We can speak in English. Like so. give up. <laughs> yeah. Just, just give up. We can speak English. So that scene from Emily in Paris where she like goes and gets a pan of chocolate or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So one of my friends, uh, she's doing... Uh, she's doing a year abroad in French, in French, <laughs> in France, and she said that you know uh, she watched Emily in Paris with her friends, and they said that it was completely different. They romanticized the whole language, the whole everything, and tried to make it seem more utopian than it is. 
Yeah, I, I think that, I think that's actually a really good point, especially with like kind of entertainment TV shows. I think we really need to bear in mind that um, what we watch on TV and who it's made by. Obviously, yeah. Emily in Paris is an American kind yeah. of production. The people in there are American actors, not all of them, but a lot of them are kind of American yeah. actors, or at least the lead as well. So we need to, I think, really bear that in mind when we're kind of using that to kind of think of, oh, this is how a country's meant to be, mm-hmm. because. Obviously, again, people have a lot of stereotypes about England, and while some may be true to an extent, a lot of them are very different. Like we, we, we're not, we don't all behave in the same way. Um, so I, I think going on from that, the next question probably would be: What are some of the kind of stereotypes of your lang- like languages, and do you feel like those kind of like apply to you at all? That can be anything—the one you're learning or the one you kind of speak as a native. So um, Telugu has four dialects: that is Andhra, Telangana, Rayalaseema, and Godavari. I speak the Telangana dialect, but most um, Tollywood movies are based off of the Andhra dialect, and so most people can understand the that one dialect more better because of the entertainment sector being majorly just uh, people who speak the Andhra dialect. And so whenever they make movies um, that are based in the origins of the other places, if that makes any sense, like in the different parts of um, the States, they're so exaggerated and completely far from the meaning or far from the... Um, pronunciation of how you actually um, speak it because the actors don't speak the dialect they try so much to speak the dialect and it just does not work and people feel underrepresented and that happens in Tollywood as well which I feel like is a big thing so yeah that's one stereotype the dialects do get mixed up and they are not very represented that great so as me and my family know Russian and as you know many movies including KGB spies Russian spies for example in Black Widow we heard her pronunciation and it sounded completely different. It wasn't even translated properly into, you know, how a normal native Russian speaker would say it. So that was not only amusing, but also shows, you know, the flaws in Hollywood, you know, they didn't really do their research. You know, perhaps they could train actors better instead of just saying, here's how Google Translate pronounces it, now you do it. I mean, I know with German, definitely there's like this kind of stereotype that it's a very aggressive language with like, I think generally speaking online, it's mostly exaggerated for the sake of a joke, like compared to perhaps, um, I know the one that you see the most is that one about the word for butterfly in different languages and you have like across the romance languages and then you've got German and I feel like it's like a deliberate comparison between two very different types of language. It's Schmetterling. Schmetterling. It's it's not that aggressive, but like for the sake of the joke, it's like very... It's pronounced very aggressively, almost shouted, and I feel very strongly about it. Wait, could you say that one more time? Schmetterling. See, it sounds quite gentle. Yeah. Though. Yeah. It's not an aggressive language. It's mostly, like, quite soft sounds, mm. but... But I guess, like, in terms of how you pronounce it, it's more like one word, whereas in Spanish it would be, like, mariposa, or in uh, Russian it would be babuchka. Yeah, it's like different languages yeah. have different ways of saying things. So, like, yeah, it might seem comparatively like one is... Um, far softer than the other but really it's yeah. it's just that they're two very different types of language they've got different roots and that's why yeah I think you guys have a really good point there like the lang- like I think what we first recognise is where languages come from it's like their the roots I think going back down to that is so important like recognising that especially because with like what kind of saying with dialects and stuff the reason why is because you grow up in certain communities and you know they have kind of historically done certain kind of jobs and that kind of results in you speaking in a certain way and to you it, that may seem kind of coming as an outsider perspective it may seem aggressive but for them that's kind of just normal and kind of how they've always spoken so it, that's it's not viewed in the same way and I think it's you know before we kind of judge very blindly I think it's important to recognize like exactly kind of the historical origins of it 
Um, I think in terms of kind of Tamil, if if I were to kind of compare, so Bollywood is kind of a very big part of India. It's kind of like you know, I guess equivalent of Bollywood, but you know, makes loads of movies every single year. And there's a lot of every time there's like kind of Tamil representation within kind of Hindi movies, there's a massive kind of stereotype of the way we speak. Um, a lot of the times, kind of um, people who speak Tamil, Telugu, kind of are all kind of grouped together. Um, and some of it has come because of when kind of there was British colonization and they kind of renamed a lot of um, Indian cities. A lot of those actually still stand today. And whilst the names have gone back people's perceptions haven't gone back and so actually that results in kind of a lot of fighting within India we kind of touched upon this in the last episode um but it's kind of that internal tension and so it's more than kind of outsiders looking in it's actually insiders kind of looking at each other and you know that whole competition of my language about the yours and that kind of thing so I think that itself as India being such a big country that is one of the problems that um occur quite a bit as well um, just going back to like German sounding aggressive, I feel like with Polish, I don't know if it's just my family, but from an outsider, like even my dad picks up on it. Um, we all sound like we're shouting at each other. We sound like we hate each other, um, <laughs> that we're having a massive argument when we're just, I think it's just passion, like that passion for like what you're saying. Mm-hmm. It comes across more in like Polish, I know for sure, but maybe probably in other languages as well. I feel like in English, you don't speak with that passion. I feel like it's quite a even monotone. It's like when you're close to people, you'll talk differently. You'll talk more loosely, and sometimes you'll yeah you'll speak with like more passion, more energy. Yeah. And to to an outsider, it's like just the different tone and like the kind of yeah. And I guess it's the idea of like that no filter, right? Like when you're speaking to some people really close to you, don't really care about if what you're saying is politically correct or if you're being diplomatic, whereas if you're speaking to, you know, whether that's, I guess, not exactly close friends, but maybe like teachers or kind of acquaintances, you have to kind of think about what you're saying and make sure what you're saying is, you know, like, okay to say, I guess. So maybe that's why to the, out- the outside it can look very aggressive, when to you it's just you being honest, I guess. Mm. And just generally, like, different tones between languages, like, different languages spoken differently, and that's yeah. just how it is, like... My sister sometimes she'll get really into something, and she's talking in English. And to my dad, who speaks somewhat, to him it comes across as like quite aggressive. He's like, "Why are you shouting? You're talking about the weather or something, you know? Not, <laughs> not the weather, obviously. You know, he's <laughs> like, "Why are you shouting about this? We're just having a normal conversation." She's like, "I'm not shouting. I'm just excited." I think in England you can definitely get aggressive about the weather, so I don't blame her. <laughs> <laughs> talking about like different comparisons and how you said that it's quite biased comparing German to other Eurocentric languages because they're two different they originated yeah. from two different things like there's, German, there's German which is you know obviously a Germanic language and then you've got like that compared to the Romance languages mm. of, which are stylistically very different what I'd like to do is actually compare the Indian languages to the Eurocentric languages because I mean it does seem like we're based we're comparing two different very things but I feel like we all say particular name like particular words quite similarly i think english some sanskrit terms were actually converted to english and they're still saying the terms right now can we all just go around a circle and say how you say mother in your language just to see if there's some kind of similarity so i'll go first mine is amma uh, in russia would be mama and in spanish would be madre Tamil would be amma and then german would be mutter yeah hindi would be ma um depends like you can have like mama which is more like mom or like matka, which is like mother. 
Oh no, I just remember that actually, like German, like Mutter's the formal one. Normally people say Mama. Again, I think we've got that same thing of like we've got formal and informal ones. Like, you know, yeah, in English yeah. you've got mom, like mum or mother, and then obviously in our language as well, you've got the formal, informal mm. versions as well. I think the question we're kind of trying to ask is um, in terms of kind of the way your tech language is kind of structured in terms of like grammar or in terms of kind of the, the way you speak it compared to kind of Indian languages. And it's, if there's any kind of similarity that you find. I can't think of any specific examples right now, but definitely in class I've noticed sometimes if Miss is explaining grammar structure and in certain points it'll be maybe word placement or how they use tense to give connotations of something else. It's it's very similar to how things are structured in Tamil. I don't know if you've got this in um your language. Like Eurocentric languages they usually have gender for like objects. Do you have that as well? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, like okay. um, things which are like kind of so that's what you mean, right? Yeah, yeah, masculine. yeah, yeah. I think for a lot of people, it's very difficult to get their heads around that for those who just speak English because they yeah. don't understand that yeah. objects themselves can be feminine and masculine. Yeah, Whereas, yeah. I mean, I don't know if... In Tamil, it's not, like, as explicitly there. Mm. Like, you don't have um, inanimate objects that are assigned gender. It's more yeah. for people and for roles. You'll have, like, the masculine and feminine form, but we have that in English as well. Yeah, it's definitely there yeah. in Hindi, and I think that, um, I mean, for, for me, if... To understand that concept was a lot easier, whereas I think for some people they found that really hard to get their heads around. They were like, how can objects be like feminine or masculine? I mean, I just remember in Polish school, like our grammar lessons and like learning how, you know, like a chair is like neutral and like, I can't think of examples, but like, you know what I'm trying to say? Like, they all, different objects, you need to just know that this is the gender for the object. And I feel like I learned that in French and Spanish. Um, and it's something that I think it differentiates that from English because with English it's just that like chair like it's an it. I think in German as well it's we have the genders but it's not as I don't know in some places it doesn't exactly like make sense like for example the word for the girl that's Mädchen it's um it's neutral you'd expect it to be feminine but it's neutral so it's like it's not always immediately obvious what the gender is going to be and sometimes it's difficult to wrap your head around that as well you've got to, like learn rules about how the word is formed or how it ends. I think that kind of links to like one of our previous questions about like how you learn languages in school. When you learn languages at home, like especially when you're growing up with it, you don't sit down and learn the grammar for it really. It just yeah. comes to you because you speak it. Um, and I don't, I don't know, maybe that's just because it would take ages to learn a language like that in school. But I feel like I feel that's more effective than sitting down like actually learning the grammar rules because you just, even in English, like, growing up speaking English, you don't think about how complex our grammar actually is. Yeah. Like, I know that, like, my Polish cousins that learn English, they can't, they find it really ha- hard to wrap their heads around the grammar because it, there's so many, like, um, exceptions to the rules. Um, but we just know that because we speak English. We don't have to think about it. Yeah. So maybe that's something that um, can be changed about how, like, we learn languages in school. That's so true. I think, like, that's why it's, I think there's such a big difference between kind of being like a native speaker of a language and learning a language like kind of through this education system because as native we kind of just we grow up hearing the language and we just speak it like that's just kind of you know okay we may get things a few wrong but like we may kind of get a few things wrong as we go along but we kind of just learn it naturally whereas obviously at school it's kind of you know in a very kind of textbook read the textbook that kind of way so I think it's it's even harder to get the complete kind of knowledge of that language versus kind of speaking it like in English as well you see like when kids are growing up when they when they're learning to speak English and there's bits where they'll make a mistake they'll come across an exception 
and you correct them and they are and then they ask you why and you have no idea why that why there's this like yeah. odd exception in the middle of something that seems like it would obviously follow this normal rule so yeah yeah like to you it just makes sense but like for this to, uh, to be able to understand from their perspective you actually think back and you think how did i kind of get my head around that right so yeah i think even with exposure it's just about sometimes you've got to memorize things as you guys are talking about the education system most of us learn like we learn English and then, you know, our mother tongue, so for example, in my case, it's Russian. We learnt it naturally, so whereas in school they sort of just force it onto you. So with uh, tenses, for example, I can naturally change because I've just learnt that it's right. But when in Spanish my teacher says, oh, we're learning the pluperfect, it's like, what's the pluperfect? Because I've never actually been taught those tenses, we've just been taught when to use them. So if she says, oh, do it in the imperfect subjunctive, it's like, you know, it's harder to get you know your head yeah. wrapped around it i think my first experience was that of that was learning latin and suddenly there's like the pluperfect yeah. the subjunctive yeah. all of that stuff you just have to get your head around it because and you can see like how that relates to english not like going back to it you can relate that to english yeah. but you would never have made that connection yeah. if like if it wasn't there i think at the time when we had to do um latin in year seven at the time it didn't seem immediately obvious why it was relevant like if you get like later on in your language studies in other languages then you kind of get why it, oh, that's how this is used, yeah. but, yeah, and then you're able to link it back to English, but it takes a while for it to kick in, I guess. Mm-hmm. I think I first learned, like, imperative in Latin before English, like, you know, um, in English lessons when you say, like, oh, this is an imperative, like, we learned yeah. that in Latin yeah. before we learned it's that kind in of like English. like, backwards learning, like, you look at it and you think, oh, so when I'm using this, like, so I'm using the subjunctive in English, right, so yeah. you never put that thought into yeah. it, which is yeah. kind of crazy, and you realise how complicated, like you said, how complicated it is when you see other people learning English, like, who are not speaking it kind of, you know, as they've grown up, and you think, oh, wow, this language is really complicated as well. I think moving on from that, like, different countries speaking English, do you find that, like, people from, like, your country, when they learn English in school because it's, like, a language that they need to learn, they'll learn it so much better than, like, we would learn French? So, like, my French, even though I've done it since primary school, I could not hold a conversation with a French person. Not really. I mean, I could probably say, like, bonjour. Like, that's it, really. Um, but someone, like, for example, in Poland, learning English, like, my aunt can pretty much have a conversation with my dad just from learning English. Uh, same with my cousin. Um, I don't know what England's doing wrong in that <laughs> sense, because <laughs> it seems as though uh, people from other countries, they learn English so well. Even, like, when we had the exchange students from, like, China or do you, do you remember they sp- mm. spoke English so well yeah. um and uh the students in our school that like, were learning Mandarin could not kind of get to that level um so I don't know what it is I think also no offense to English people but I feel like there's kind of that laziness to mm. when you go to a different country people expect people to speak English like if you go to Spain you were like you expect people to speak English and you're kind of offended when people don't speak English but then, like, what did you expect? Like, you're in Spain. People speak Spanish. Um, so I remember when we went to Spain, me and my family would attempt to speak in Spanish to make it easier for the natives. But then, you know, occasionally you get those tourists who are like, hola, where is the toilet? Instead of even trying to make the attempt to communicate with them more in a more easier way for the natives who actually live there. It kind mm. of shows the respect, doesn't it? Mm. Yeah. I feel like there's, if you go to a country and you attempt to learn the language, even though it's a bit shaky at least you've shown that you've taken that yeah. time and you respect the fact that like you know it's a different country and it's a different language 
um, yeah, I don't know if the, that respect is there from English people going yeah, to the country. As, again, as I mentioned, I had to learn three languages while I was in school. Everybody's first language had to be the same, which was English. But there were people who spoke Malayalam at home, some people who spoke Tamil, Hindi, Telugu, and some actually from the north as well. There were some people speaking Gujarati and everything. I didn't like that our first language had to be English, even though I know it was an English medium school. But um, we put more focus into... <laughs> English and we had more content for English rather than the other languages which were um, there was French and Spanish in there too but there was less content for those and more content for English and we like kind of like praised or like you know glorified learning English in a way which I did not like and we put less um, input into Telugu and learning that and it, uh, learning Telugu origins or like the actual Telugu literature yeah, no, that, that's a really, I think that's, that's a really good point because I think in, in, I noticed this especially when I went to Hong Kong because in India, it, I think it works slightly differently where most people in India can speak English quite well. And this is not just, I mean, a significant proportion, at least in Mumbai, like even kind of people who are like, you know, driving taxis or people who are like, you know, vital, they can, they can all hold up a conversation in English. And it, so it, it's not necessarily that, you know, we need to kind of be able to speak in their language. They're, they're able to communicate in English. But when I kind of got, when I got to Hong Kong, I noticed um, there were a lot of kind of several groups. So there were kind of groups of people who were Japanese, people who were Korean. And they would all, when they kind of all spoke to their friends, they spoke in their languages. But whenever Indians got together, we all spoke in English. And obviously a part of that is because in, India has so many languages. But even when we were able to all speak the same language, we preferred to speak in English. And so I think I've always noticed that perhaps it works slightly differently in, in, in India compared to kind of um, countries where there is one strong language, such as, you know, whether that's um, in Europe or other places, because that there's one kind of people speaking different languages at home, but also I think people wanting to show that they know how to speak English. So there's perhaps that kind of pride element in that as well. Um, I don't know if you guys kind of share that view or perhaps that's a different story. I, I mean, from my experience, like Polish gatherings, we speak in Polish. Even in Polish school, we were, um, I mean, a lot of time we were speaking English, but um, a lot of time we were speaking in Polish. Um, because I guess it's just that sense of community, isn't there? Like that connection, that mutual. I mean, it's also nice, like when you're in, a, in an English school, and you've got a Polish friend, you just talk to them Polish, like, you know, like, people don't know what you're talking about. Mm. It's kind of like a childish thing, but, like, it's it's kind of cool as well at the same oh, time. it's never too childish. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think we touched on this last episode yeah. as well, about how our, we, in our families we speak, the, we speak the same language. So it's kind of like a code language that we can speak in, like, when we're in public, so we can judge things we shouldn't be judging, you know? Yeah. And <laughs> that sounds wrong, but so that we can talk about stuff that we don't want other people to understand. Yeah. Which is, like, again, a bonding experience and, like, makes you feel closer to the others. What do you think? What languages everybody should learn in the future? And how important it is to know your mother tongue, if, it, if it's not English? I kind of, when I was kind of thinking about this question, um, I think one of the key languages going forward in the future, I think, is definitely going to be Mandarin. Because, of course, knowing that, you know, China covers one-fifth of, of, of the entire population, so I think... Um, and kind of is you know, an increasingly global superpower. So I think knowing Mandarin will definitely be very useful. Um, it's a very, very difficult language, I'm telling you from personal experience, but I think it's uh, very kind of, it's going to be beneficial in the future definitely to be able to know Mandarin, um, I think, because being able to kind of communicate with a lot of people in their language, I think is definitely quite useful. Um, but also, it, equally as, a, I mean, it's 
equally as important, I think, to be able to know your, your mother tongue because it's that kind of one, like we were talking about, like, you know, kind of that bridge in this episode, but that kind of one string that kind of ties you back to your home country, especially if you don't live there. You mentioned that Mandarin was, like, going to be, like, one of the biggest languages to learn, but I kind of beg to differ because, as we saw with the exchanges that come from China, um, they all know English, and I think English is something that ties so many countries together. I don't think this is necessarily a good thing, but um, most countries um, either have English in their curriculum or teach English, right? So I feel like out of all the um, languages, English is something that I think, I don't know if I'm wrong, maybe like maybe it's something like Spanish, but most countries, they have English as like a, a, one of the languages that they, a lot of people can speak. But um, going back to like, know your mother tongue I think that's so important because one thing about language is that if you don't speak it it's going to die out and when a language dies out um culture dies out and you know like if that's why it's so important to like learn your mother tongue because you you want to keep that going you want to keep that um long past of your community going well, we, we mentioned in the last episode but we didn't touch on it that well was actually sign language like the We've been talking about um, languages that we use verbally. I think learning BSL or ASL is so important to actually converse with people who cannot um, use spoken and verbal languages. And yeah, I think that should be one of the um, focuses for the future. Um, I learned BSL on the side. Um, and I honestly think that it's one of the best things anyone can do because, you know in terms of like the ostracization of people that have like hearing difficulties and stuff like that um or like even like the fact that like you know you have to wear masks now you can't even like lip read um bsl is so important in that sense i can't for life of me understand why we have different sign languages though like why is there american sign language and british sign language there's you know a lot of countries they'll have their own sign language um and I just think that maybe that's something that could be made universal. Like, there's one universal sign language that we can all communicate by. I think it kind of links back to the nuances of different languages. Like, each language has its own particular way of speaking. For example, like, we've got... Perhaps there's not as many noticeable differences between American and British English where you need to see, like, a difference between sign languages. But, for example, British sign language versus French sign language, you know, they're differently structured. So I guess there's kind of a need for different methods of using um, sign to communicate with people um, but also in terms of mother tongues like similarly there's there's just nuances of each language that can't be replaced if that language dies out and I think that's why being able to speak your mother tongue is incredibly important in in this increasingly like globalized world. I think that's a wonderful way to uh, wrap it up and kind of end today's episode I think we've kind of come back full circle in, in a really nice way we've highlighted kind of, you know, what, what um, our languages mean to us, how important it is, but also the use of increasingly important things like sign language. Um, we really hope you enjoyed this episode. We hope it was a bit different. Um, and we really enjoyed kind of, we've been speaking for, for a long time now, so clearly we all have really enjoyed this topic. So um, hope you enjoyed as well, and we'll see you next time. Bye. Tovizenia. Malika Rudam. Cheers. Adios. E. Paka. Alvida. Peri. Vite.